Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics? They talk, we listen. My guest today plays a vital C-suite role in a large and global financial services corporation. She's a seasoned fiscal professional and has had over 25 years in the sector. It's all about the role of the CFO in a time of crisis and enormous global changes. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. I have two passion, creation and communication and one mission, women empowerment. I linked my passion with my mission and created a silent mentor for women, the Delance Watch. Made by Women for Women, the Delance Watch is a sign of recognition for women who want to make the world a better place for all. I am Giselle Ruffer, the creator of the Delance Watch, the Watch Lady. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Hello, my name's Victoria McLagan and I'm a lawyer for British expats living in Switzerland and the founder of EWPS, English Wills and Probate Switzerland. I'm delighted to sponsor this episode of Heads Talk and I hope you enjoyed as much as I have. If you'd like some help with wills or powers of attorney, please feel free to get in touch with me at victoria at ewps.ch or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Victoria McLagan, TEP. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Axia is a leading private cloud platform in the Atlassian and Matimos ecosystem, combining intelligent solutions with security and control. Axia's clients profit from digitalization and automation of critical business processes in a cloud and hybrid architecture. 150 staff provide migration, engineering, and support services to over 200 leading organizations in 32 countries. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Claudia Cordioli is the Global CFO Reassurance at Swiss Re. She was appointed this role in February 2020. She joined Swiss Re in 2003, where she had a number of senior financial roles, including head of Swiss Re's Group External Reporting and CFO Reinsurance EMEA. In 2006, she assumed the role of head of Italy, Iberia and Mediterranean and was appointed head of Western and Southern Europe in 2018. As a member of a number of boards and management committees of Swiss Re subsidiaries in several European countries, Claudia is fully versed on strategic, regulatory and financial matters across the region. Prior to Swiss Re, Claudia held a number of financial and consulting business roles in institutions to include KPMG. As mentioned, we're going to talk about the finance function's role going forward and how it has perhaps morphed during the pandemic. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Claudia to Head's Talk. Many thanks for being with us today. Hi, Yolen. Thanks for having me. 
So very glad to have you here on Heads Talk and thankful to um, Charlotte Nelson for helping to make this happen. Let's get right into it and begin the episode with this. It's about partnerships and collaborations. Please tell my listeners about the recent partnership with Climeworks. What is that all about? And what's the thinking behind this collaboration? Thank you for the question, Elaine. Uh, so maybe allow me to take a step back um, before we, we, we dive into the, the specific collaboration with Climeworks. Maybe not all of our listeners know Swiss Re. Swiss Re is one of the large reinsurers and the role, the very role of a reinsurer uh, is to provide capital, knowledge and risk management to insurance companies, right? And with that, enable progress and enable uh, the sustainability of, of our society. So as you can imagine, climate risk, climate change uh, is top of our mind. It is a societal and systemic risk, the way we, will, we look at it. It's also a huge opportunity, right, for our society if we get it right. So what Swiss Re has started doing, um, it actually goes back to more than 10 years ago, started looking at the, uh, the risks that come from climate change, the opportunities that come from climate change and how the society can, can approach them. And we as reinsurers have an active role in that. Mm-hmm. Um, the partnership with, uh, Climb, with Climeworks uh, that, that, you just, uh, um, that you just referred to is one way for Swiss Re to, uh, to start making an active change, right? Uh, so it's about our commitment uh, to, alongside uh, many other insurance and reinsurer uh, to um, to hit the the, the Paris Agreement uh, targets mm-hmm. and to get to a, uh, to a zero emission net zero emission uh, by 2050. This collaboration allows us to effectively for our own operations um, to basically get to a, to a way to store uh, the unavoidable emissions um, for the next 10 years. So it's a 10 year agreement that we we met with. Uh, uh, with, with a company that allows us, as I said, to to, uh, to be sure that we hit our own targets mm-hmm. uh, for, for our own operations. And with that also enable a solution uh, that can be rolled out also to clients and to the wider society. Okay, thank you for that. So, so what are the new collaborations in the sustainability or even social sector that Swiss Re has embarked on? Yeah, there's multiple efforts uh, and uh, it, it's quite an exciting area actually to, uh, you know, to, to, to look into uh, right now, because as I mentioned at the beginning, it is in fact a societal uh, challenge and a huge societal uh, opportunity uh, as well. So um, we've been actually looking at it from three angles, uh, Elaine. So one side is the asset side, as you can imagine, as okay. reinsurer, uh, we do manage a, a very large balance sheet and we manage a, a huge mm-hmm. amount of assets and investments. Uh, so we can make a difference there. At the same time, of course, uh, we provide protection, risk protection and volatility protection to insurance companies. So we've got underwriting as another means to to be active in the society. And then uh, the third aspect is our own operation. We are are a very large player in the industry. We've got Mm -hmm. employees uh, on a global scale. So we also have, of course, operations that generate emissions and we want to take a first step ourselves before we we preach to others what they should do. So we've been active on on, uh, all three aspects and we started collaborations on all three of them. Um, On the asset side, um, we started in 2017, actually, I think we are, one of the uh, true, if not pioneers, but early movers uh, on the ESG 
uh, side. So we started looking at our investment portfolio uh, from an ESG uh, standpoint uh, already four years ago. And mm-hmm. then later on, as, as the industry started to shift progressively uh, into that uh, space and, and that mindset, we co-founded the Net Zero Asset Owner Alliance, which is a, a major uh, uh, investor coalition, if you will, with almost 50 members. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, um, uh, the alliance, the, the, um, uh, the scope of the alliance is really to uh, to reach the net zero emission by 2050, as I mentioned before, and the 50 members that committed to that uh, want to, to do that for their entire asset portfolio. And as, as you can imagine, this is uh, a major way actually to influence the way our society is looking at, at climate risk and the businesses that create climate risk, right, with everything that goes into that. Mm-hmm. At the same time, what we've done, I mentioned uh, as well, we are one of the largest underwriters. So from, a, from, a, from an insurance underwriting perspective, also there we, we, um, we are part of a major uh, alliance. Uh, it's, um, it's the Net Zero Insurance Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, in July 2021, so very recently, we, we, um, uh, we announced that th- this alliance is, is pledging to do the same effectively on the underwriting side. Um, and the participants to this alliance are the biggest uh, insurance and reinsurance uh, players. So the, the, the big names that are thinking alike, right? And mm-hmm. um, as I mentioned before, the role of insurance and reinsurance in the society uh, is as well to, to fund, to cover, to hedge very large uh, projects. So there's no bridge that's getting built. There's no you know, major, major innovation that's happening without reinsurance and, and insurance backing them. Mm-hmm. So the hope is that through our underwriting choices, we also help society to make a shift uh, towards a more green, uh, um, you know, mindset. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, I mean, it's, it's something that we do step by step. We gave ourselves uh, intermediate targets. Uh, mm-hmm. Every participant has got their own way to, to comply with it. And of course, execution would be super important, uh, Elaine. But mm-hmm. definitely we share our target and it's super important that we do that because it's the only way to really move the society. It's a, it's a compounding uh, forces that, 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 that we need to, uh, to, to achieve. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, um, I think we also need to, uh, to work alongside uh, public policy. Um, this, these are not risks that can be borne by uh, by the, the private sector alone, right? Um, mm-hmm. you've, you've been, um, I'm, yes. I'm sure watching the development of uh, what has happened in uh, in the US uh, just a few weeks back with uh, with the hurricanes in Europe we've seen quite some disruption as well through through mm-hmm. floods in in June and July we just see more and more of those climate change driven uh, developments and and losses and this is something that while the industry is very happy to uh, to support of course mm-hmm. and and uh, help covering it cannot just be uh, put on, yes. on, on the back of the uh, private industry. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was, I was going to ask you about sort of the, the different types of products and, and packages that arise out of the, the current period we're living in, as you can see, with, with the climate change, and you talk about the effects of the hurricane. You've also talked about, which is um, fantastic, it sort of feeds into the next question, about some of the co- collaborations you have when you mentioned the Net Zero Asset Ownership Alliance, as well as the Net Zero Insurance uh, 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 Alliance. But sort of how will your products and packages differ to what you currently have in your portfolio? 
Um, that's a very interesting question, and I, I think we are trying um, uh, all the time to 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 innovate uh, and come up with more or best best fitting uh, solutions to help our clients. Mm -hmm. And if you think of some uh, lines of business uh, that are literally being you know growing as as we speak, like cyber, for instance, I think the industry has always been at the forefront of innovation and trying to be an enabler of of innovation. When it comes to uh, to climate change, I mean, some very specific uh, covers and products that we are, de we are developing uh, mm -hmm. are, for instance, related to um, parametric covers mm -hmm. of some weather-related, but also earthquake-driven uh, 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 events. Uh, so I'm referring to covers that would essentially uh, in enable or, or allow for a much, much faster payment as mm -hmm. soon as the event happen, yeah. Yeah. happens, there is some, uh, some tri trigger that immediately uh, triggers the payment without having long uh, claim adjustment processes, for instance, and that enables to to be very quick in helping uh, the society or the businesses to to get back on their feet uh, after a, a catastrophe or, or a loss. That's just one example. There are many other that we are trying to uh, put in place using data uh, mm -hmm. in a much broader, much much more uh, you, you know sustained uh, way than than we did in the past. Okay, thanks for that. Um, you, you talked about speed, you talked about some of the fast actions you've had to do and the, and the use of data. I want to now look at the traits of the CFO. Um, here at TED's talk, I have had numerous conversations with C-suites, in particular CIOs, COOs and, and CDOs. In fact, some of my favorite conversations have been with CIOs. Um, I, I want to know about the, the traits CFOs must have or um, are developing in this current period we are living in. How, invent how inventive or even entrepreneurial must CFOs be during these current times of uncertainty, especially to ensure liquidity and seamless cash flow of an organization? That's an excellent question, Elena, because coming out of a pandemic that caught, uh, I think, pretty much everyone by, by surprise, mm -hmm. I think it was a role that really required a lot of um, flexibility and adaptability. Mm -hmm. uh, luckily for for the industry, I will say not not only for Swiss Re, but for the industry uh, as a as a whole, um, the pandemic hasn't been a um, a liquidity event. Mm -hmm. um, so it hasn't been also a capital event. Uh, most of the players in the industry were able to withstand the pandemic with very strong balance sheets, and of course, it has been a, a an earning event. It has been a a, a tough one. Uh, from that perspective, but it's something that uh, the businesses were able to um, uh, to withstand and, and demonstrate resilience. That said, I came into the role uh, in March 2020, so very much at the at the start of the pandemic, and you know from from the very first day, it was essentially a, um, you know a lot of uh, surprising uh, effects <laughs> that came came through, right? From uh, the fact that um, a, a pandemic. Uh, became a topic for property, uh, yes. property and, and business interruption uh, insurance, right? None of the model had foreseen that. We were all expecting a pandemic to be uh, affecting, affecting the life portfolio, life and health portfolio, of course, through mortality. We were expecting a pandemic to affect our financial and um, you know, investment asset portfolio, of course, through the disruption on the financial markets. But none of us, I think, none of the players in the industry was expecting business interruption mm -hmm. to be to be affected to the extent it was, right? 
So it, it became something that literally touched each and every angle of our balance sheet. So as you can imagine, it was a, a lot of uh, juggling different balls in the air, making sure that nothing falls through. At the same time, we had an operational situation that was also unprecedented. Uh, so the teams working in remote, essentially <laughs> everywhere in the world at the same time, yes. it was the first time that we could test that. And again, not a Swiss re specific situation. It was an industry, well, industry, it was a <laughs> world business-wide yeah. uh, uh, situation, but it, it, it has never been tested to that extent, right? Mm. Um, so we've been since then working mostly from home, um, no major hiccups, which I'm extremely proud of, right? But you start also seeing that there is some, some fatigue in, in, in the teams as well. So that was another aspect that we had to, to manage. And as I said, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy about the way we managed it. I think Swiss Re has been, in that sense, also a bit pioneering. Um, we had a, a policy that we called uh, Own the Way You Work. And that essentially allowed people to uh, to work from home if you know the, the, their particular mandate and tasks and jobs uh, allowed for that. So we were well equipped, I think, to 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 face an event like this. But of course, the proportions uh, were, were unprecedented. Hmm. So I think there were so many aspects to uh, to lead through and to face that it really required, as you said before, some degree of inventive and and yes. flexibility. And yeah, I'm, I'm happy 18 months later that I can say I think we mastered it quite quite well. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just actually thinking, um, commencing your role as CFO at the start of the pandemic um, was the baptism of fire for you. Uh, so in, in, in some ways, the CFO and the finance function came into its own during the, the last 18 months or so. Would you agree? I, I would say so. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yes, um, they are essential players, and we're not just talking about the usual management and planning in the survival of an organization, especially during this heightened period of, of the pandemic. What additional new and unprecedented pressures did you face um, as a result of the pandemic? Um, how have you addressed or reacted to them? Um, I think, well, there are so many, so many aspects, Ellen, that we, we, we could look into. I mean, one of them is really how how do you provide for, for, how do you reserve, right, for, for an event like this, knowing that it will take years to really um, get through the, the full impact of a pandemic like this. So mm -hmm. normally, you need to imagine when we were dealing with a catastrophe, something that's fairly limited in terms of geographical spread, it's fairly limited in terms of uh, time, uh, um, you know, duration, mm -hmm. and at the end of the event, you can you can um, you know with, with your claims experts, you can you can estimate what the impact was, and then you start the, the process to to reflect it through your financials in in collaboration with your clients. In this case, we are facing an event that's still lasting, of mm -hmm. unfortunately, right, it's still ongoing, yes. uh, global in nature. Um, every country had a different way to, to deal with that. We started with lockdowns that were also something that, <laughs> you know, no scenario yes. had anticipated previously. So where do you start reserving for an event like this? <laughs> and that was a, a major, uh, I think, challenge for, for, for the whole industry. Yes. Swiss Re took, um, I would say, a fairly prudent event. So early on in the, uh, in the, in the pandemic, we, we took a 
a conscious decision, right, that we want to take a prudent preserving approach. We, mm -hmm. we booked a very large number. We announced that in the second quarter last year. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for many people, it was like, uh, it, it was a shocking number, right? It was very high, much higher than, than some of the competitors had put through. So, you know, it, we, you, you, of course, we were comfortable, right? We, we've been, uh, um, you know, reserving for, otherwise we wouldn't have done that. But mm -hmm. uh, still, we were a bit of an outlier at that point in time in, uh, in, in the industry. We saw uh, competitors to then follow suit later in, in the year and also come up with, with higher estimates. But for a while, uh, we were a bit al alone out there. So that, that was for sure one of the mm -hmm. uh, challenges we, we, we had to, uh, to deal with. And then there were many others, right? It starts with uh, contract wording. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to get too nerdy on, <laughs> on those specific <laughs> you know, uh, details now, but uh, essentially, I think the industry prouds it, itself, uh, insurance and insurance, reinsurance industry, uh, of being you know, the experts when it comes to contract wording. We've got all of those policies and treaties that have pages and pages and pages of wording. But it became clear through the pandemic that actually something like this hasn't been worded very carefully and precisely, which mm -hmm. is one of the reasons why we still have billions and billions of reserves, uh, all of us in, in, the, in our balance sheets, and we don't know exactly what the ultimate cost of the pandemic will be, right? There are so, mm -hmm. so many debates still about what is covered and what is not covered. Mm -hmm. um, and this is partially the effect of, of um, uncertainty in, in the wording that we put in our own policies, right? All of us, all of the players in the industry. Okay, Thank, thanks for that. Um, these next set of questions are, are mostly about predicting and providing an educated guess. Um, interesting topics, nevertheless. Will there be an increase in onshoreable assets or situations going forward in this new normal? If yes, can you elaborate on this? Um, I, I think we have a duty in our industry to close the protection gap, right? We talk a lot about the protection gap. Um, all of us, right? All, all, all the players in the insurance and, and reinsurance industry. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's very striking, Alenda. If you think of what happened in uh, uh, in Germany and, and Belgium and Netherlands, Switzerland yes. in, in, in June and July through the, the, the floods and, yes. and the storms. Yes. Um, you look at you know developed countries, highly developed countries, and still less than 40% uh, of, of the households has got flood coverage. And, mm -hmm. and you know, with that, you understand that it's basically the vulnerability of our society is still very high, even in, uh, in, in developed countries. So there's clearly a duty uh, of the industry and of the public policymakers yes, yes. Uh, to, to close this protection gap. Why don't we manage to do that? I don't, I don't believe, you know, like, like many will say, it's a question of financial uh, means to, to afford it. I, th I think people choose to afford many things that are maybe less necessary than, than this. We need to mm -hmm. find a, a way to, to, to come up with affordable products that provide protection to people and we need to reach the, the, these people mm -hmm. um so i, I do think there's a, there's a duty for us there to to become um more affordable to be more creative to be closer to, to people and there's a duty also from the public hand to to help us do that because as i mentioned before it can't be just uh, the, yes. the private sector that that makes a, a, an effort you don't want to come to 
to um, to a point in time where some some events or some uh, yeah. risks become uninsurable. I think that would be a, a defeat for the society. Mm -hmm. And there are some um, some ways to, to to grant protection uh, through collaboration. You know, there are uh, pooled solutions that you can put in place, and we have them in some countries. Uh, th there's a lot of creative solutions we can come up with, mm -hmm. um, but but we feel that as Swiss Re is a, is a very strong uh, uh, is a very strong duty uh, actually mm -hmm. that we would like really to mm -hmm. to make progress on. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think what you say is actually quite admirable, but while there is a a, a duty and a, uh, in the insurance industry, and you, you can even come up with creative solutions, there is not the the available capital surely and purely in the private sector, and, and therefore the public sector governments need to sort of i don't know get more involved in that because we're going to i'm sure we're going to see a lot more floods a lot more fires a lot more climate change situations don't you agree unfortunately yes i think you're absolutely right i think um you know there's a lot of conversations and, and actually we've got a specific team in swiss free that that's dedicated to uh, developing solutions with the public sector Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, it's not always an easy dialogue um, mm. for, for, for several reasons, right? Sometimes uh, uh, the public sector, um, you know, short term uh, purposes mm -hmm. or, or, or scope might be um, not necessarily in line with some of those risks, right? And I think we are, we are trying to, uh, to, to um, uh, to overcome this by setting ourselves those, you know, targets, like I mentioned at the beginning, like the Paris Agreement, I think mm -hmm. everyone is very committed and we understand that there is no other option, basically, than taking mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. It's just sometimes a bit difficult in, in the dialogue with politic, political forces and, and the public sector, um, if you find counterparties that are changing quite mm -hmm you know, frequently over time, the policies yes. might change, yes. the focus of different administrations might, might change. And sometimes the dialogue gets interrupted and you need to yes. start again it's when, when uh, you know. It's kind of, yeah. this is not going to happen in my four year tenor. So this is not my priority. And that's the problem I think was happening, but you know, we've got this 10 year um, deadline, this 10 year, I think 2030 to, 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 to resolve. So therefore I don't think they can sort of push it back to the next administration because it's at some point it has to be addressed. Um, okay, uh, and my, my, my final question um, to conclude the discussion on the role of the CFO, um, presumably your function has permanently changed with the, the advent of digitalization and the pandemic, um, which we're still in. How do you think the role of the CFO will further morph in say 10 to 20 years time? It's a million dollar question, Ellen. I, I do think the role of a CFO is, is evolving into something that's more and more a strategic advisor mm -hmm. uh, to, to the business and to, um, you know, to the CEO and ultimately the, the board. Um, I think the CFO needs to have um, an increasingly uh, profound understanding of, of the business mm -hmm. uh, and ensure that, uh, you know, the finance function is using data in, in a way uh, that, that you know can be leveraged uh, uh, to uh, to create a much better basis for decision making. Mm -hmm. um, so CFO is in a way wearing different hats, right? You've got mm -hmm. uh, you've got the traditional reporting function, which of course is the basis and the bread and butter of the finance function, and still needs uh, to be delivered and complied with. There's the more strategic role that I was mentioning before that really creates um, 
a much more forward-looking mm -hmm. uh, influence and impact on the business and, and decision-making. Mm -hmm. um, so it, I, I do think the CFO of the future needs to be able to play with those different elements of, of the role, being on one hand, uh, the, you know, the, the trustworthy uh, partner to, 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 to the business and the one that allows better decision-making, the one that allows more strategic uh, outlook over the traditional you know, three-year planning uh, period uh, it can help the business uh, thrive over a, a much longer period of time. Mm -hmm. And in doing that, I think the function will change um, because of the way we are taking decisions nowadays, right? It, it becomes more and more, um, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, uh, a matter of um, being able to use the data in a flexible way, being able to, to react and drive some of the changes when they come along. And the pandemic has just shown us that not everything can be predicted, right? And we need to be able not just to react, but also to shape the, the, the change. Mm -hmm. I think it will be a role that's much more transformational Mm -hmm. um, because of all the elements that I mentioned, and I would include uh, technology as one big driver of that transformation. We're going to look at uh, teams that will be using more and more automation to, to create a story. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's, of course, something that the finance teams uh, need to evolve into. Um, this is not a skill that's available uh, readily in all of the teams, and I'm trying to take uh, my team on a, on a, on a journey uh, towards that, that vision. Uh, maybe last thing that I would mention that's very relevant for the industry, <laughs> if you allow me to, to take a bit of a, a, another nerdy, um, you know, deep into, into that. Um, with IFRS 17, uh, a completely new uh, accounting framework is, is going to be implemented for, for the insurance and reinsurance industry. And I believe we have a once in a lifetime uh, chance, uh, Elaine, to um, refine and tell our equity story to investors and to analysts. So it's uh, it's super exciting. I think it's really a great opportunity, but we shouldn't miss it. And this is what I'm trying to keep my my team for as we as we speak. Okay, okay. Uh, Claudia Cordioli, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Len. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.